back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in uh, Overcast, we'll say, scenic, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. To send you into the weekend with a banger, an absolute podcast work of art, as far as I'm concerned. Not the brag. This is Buck Rising, by the way. Corey Davis, Titans wide receiver, former Titans wide receiver, Nate Washington, and our OG around here, Teron Davenport of ESPN.com. We covered a variety of different topics. I honestly, I'm going to shut up because I can't wait for you guys to hear this Corey Davis interview. He was spectacular. One of my favorite guests around here that we get on a semi-regular basis. Before we get to the interviews, though, got to tell you about the folks who put this podcast on and make it such a great program for you. It's our friends at Two Rivers Ford. The Amazon experience is what they offer you at Two Rivers Ford. You can go online at tworiversford.com. You can schedule a test drive of whichever vehicle they have available to you in their inventory, and they will drive that vehicle to your doorstep. It's about your convenience. They want you to be able to go through the car buying experience at your own pace. That's why they offer you the Amazon experience at tworiversford.com and why you can go through the entire car purchasing process there online as well. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. Without further ado, let's get to Corey Davis. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com phone line. 20% off your online order with promo code BEAST2020. Titans wide receiver, Corey Davis, a recurring guest now to the 615 Sessions podcast. Boss man, I appreciate you stopping by. No doubt, man. No doubt. Good to be here. Yeah. So let's. here's here's the thing that I always, I always struggle every time I have one of you guys on, Corey, because I cannot decide... What makes for the better interview if I'm going to talk straight up football with you or if we're going to go, you know, life and current events? Because you are always so strong every time we talk yeah. to you about pop culture. So I'm going, to, I'm going to let you pick today. You want to talk ball or you want to talk pop culture? We can do a little bit of both. Okay. Okay. I'm down. Yeah, uh, do because I, you know, the supplemental note, you're having a, you're having a killer start to the season. And I know it's mm-hmm. not about individual, individual success. Uh, everybody, every time I try to pull something individual out of one of you guys, I'm very quick to be reminded that it's not, it's about all 11. <laughs> I totally understand. Uh, but, but you guys are killing it right now. And I, I just wonder how you've, how you, uh, how you're kind of experiencing the start to what is an atypical season under any other circumstances, but one where you as an offense, certainly, um, you guys are killing it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is a, a, a bit of a different season just with all the different type of protocols and, you know, with COVID and everything. Um, so we definitely have to take the right precautions. And, you know, like you said, things are different. So luckily, um, you know, we have a great head coach and a great staff that, you know, knows how to adjust to, you know, certain things. And, you know, we've seen adversity, so um, – you know, this is something that we're going to go out and we're going to attack, um, regardless of what's going on. You know, outside of outside of football, um, but you know, we have a great start so far, and we've got to keep it rolling and you know, keep doing what we're doing. No question. I I'm, I'm I crack up, Corey, every time I I hear you interviewed, and you don't do a ton of stuff, which is why I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on. Uh, but mm-hmm. the 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 thing with I'm going to do numbers gets so blown 
up because anytime and it kills me. It kills me personally as a media member because all I want all I want you is for you guys to be able to, you know, be comfortable in interview settings so we can get to know you a little yeah. bit better and all of these things. And something so so general as I want to do numbers this year gets blown so far the hell out of proportion when it's you know, you're just talking to us. And then and then we ruin it. We ruin it collectively. I speak for all of the gas bags, and I'm pissed about it, Corey. That's so true. I appreciate you, you know, noticing that. And some, I mean, not all. I mean, especially not you, but most, you know, these media members will take one little thing and just blow it out of proportion. And I'm like, man, like I don't even mean it like that. <laughs> no, I know it's it. Honestly, honestly, like you know, and and my show's a little different. Like the way the way that I do my job is a little different because if I'm going to invite you on the pod, I want you to have a good time, right? And we're gonna we're gonna oh, no we're doubt. gonna chop it up. We're gonna talk some shop. We're gonna you know we're, we're gonna talk about movies and and what you've been binging oh, lately. No later I on, appreciate that too. Oh well, I mean you know it's it's it needs to be enjoyable for for everybody. <laughs> but I'm exactly. sitting I'm sitting there on the Zoom and I hate the Zoom calls. I hate them so damn much, Corey. But but oh I, I understand it probably worked. You know, the, things are what they are. But I'm sitting there yeah. on the Zoom when you said that, and I'm like, oh my God, he's never going to talk to us ever again or never be any never. kind of interesting <laughs> us with us ever again because, you know, people, I don't know, I don't know if it's like a generational disconnect. With yeah. with how people talk as opposed to you know and I'm I'm oh 27 I'm a younger media member so like yeah. I kind of get where you're coming from but I'm just sitting there with my head in my hands just like no God oh please <laughs> you know how it is and me especially like I'm not even a, a talkative type like I don't really like coming on and doing all these interviews because I mean people are, are are fickle you know you love you when you're up and they hate you when you're down so me I just try to say even kill and. You know, don't really try not to talk much, but man, they the media does sometimes they 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 flip it and spin what you say, but um, <laughs> it's just crazy. That's just how it is. Uh, it's it's because we're talking too much, Corey. We have to we have to find <laughs> something to say. We're I God knows I talk too much. I'm you know I'm doing podcasts, yeah. I'm doing radio, I'm doing the streaming show, all this crap, and we just run out of things <laughs> to say. So as soon as something happens that we got to gravitate towards, you we all freak on. out. You you know, we're all yeah, feet. I can't be mad at it. Not, no, you. I mean, you can, but I can. I can be. You don't. You don't have to be mad at it. I'll be mad at it for you. Be uh, mad for me, right? <laughs> so, so with with this with this though, because to your to your point, like you are not somebody who who desires the spotlight. Like obviously, you want to help your right. your team succeed, but. Right. Not and and I can't claim to know you personally very well, but we've been working together for three years at this yeah. point in some kind of capacity. I kind of get the vibe, and yeah, no doubt. And you have you have always been, even if you're not overstated. I've always appreciated the fact that you are at at times willing to be kind of publicly vulnerable with us. And I know that's so hard. For football players, when you have guys like Dak and talking about his brother, and then Skip Bayless says stupid things, and he, you know, rightfully yeah. gets lit up on social media about right. it. But anytime when you ha- when you have talked to us about, you know, overcoming your own individual adversity, whether that be yeah. self inflicted or otherwise, I've always really appreciated your honesty in that regard. And and I guess. Has that is that yeah. difficult for you, or are you just kind of does those do those moments just kind of just kind of yeah, appear I mean, when the time comes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean it is. <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie, it is kind of difficult just being who I am. Um, you know, I am a private person. And I don't like to, to talk about certain things, but you know, when it comes to the media, I know that it's part of our job, and we have to share 
certain things, even though, you know, we may not feel inclined to or, you know, may not want to, but um, it just helps the audience and helps people understand more, you know, where we're coming from as not only players, but, you know, as people. And, you know, oftentimes people forget that, that, you know, we're, we're men first and we're people first. Um, and it's, I guess it's okay for, I don't know, it's just, this is how people are, man. And, and um, you know, I, I have no problem really going on there and, and speaking my mind and speaking my piece. Like I said, I, I'm a quiet dude, but um, I, I have no problem going on there and, and, you know, saying what's on my heart and, you know, helping the, the people really further understand who I am. And you know that's that's kind of the thing that we that we want to accomplish, or at least you know the the goal should ultimately be for my audience and for however many different interviews you do. They just want to help people get to know the the players that play exactly. for their favorite teams. And and I you know speaking speaking what's on your heart or what's on your mind. I mean, especially in this year, more than any other year, it feels like is so important. And I I don't I don't want to you know oh, yeah. I don't want to. I guess I guess with everything that's transpired throughout the course of this year, from George Floyd's murder to uh, to Breonna Taylor, the ruling coming down yesterday, and everything happening in Louisville, I, yep. it it is so important for people to for people like you who have these platforms. I think to no matter what the what the repercussions might be from from the yep. public perspective to state your piece on those kind of things. And especially with you growing up in Chicago, I mean, yeah. Chicago is such, such a, such a, uh, a focal point for so much of this right now, given, oh, given how the African American community has been treated there for years and the way, I mean, the coded language that's coming out of the white house. And I, you know, I don't want to put you in yeah. a bad spot with any of that. This is, these are my, <laughs> no, again, my observations, not Corey Davis's. I'm saying this for the public. Yeah. Uh, but I guess Corey, like how, how have you gone through all of these things socially this year? How have you processed it, and and how important has it been to you? For uh, as somebody who is, you said it yourself, you're you're mm-hmm. typically quiet to to get out there and and let people know, hey, you know, this is how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like like you said, we have a platform, and it's good to to voice our opinions, and um, you know, regardless of what people say, there's always going to be two sides. Um, you know, people are either going to like what you say or they're not going to like what you say, but you can't really focus on that. You've got to focus on, you know, your beliefs and, and stand on what you say. Um, but we do have a platform and we understand that. And as a team, you know, with everything going on, you know, around the world that we had a, a few sit downs and we had a lot of serious talks and dudes were, you know, dudes are coming to tears because they were talking about their family and their kids and how they don't want their kids to go through certain things. And it, it hits you different. Like, because you see it firsthand. You see these black men talking about their kids and and the next generation coming up and even themselves and what they've been through. And it's like, it's sad. And a lot of these guys are saying that they're numb to it now. They're numb to the, the police brutality and all this other injustice that's going on in the world. And it's sad that we have to get to that point to where you see it so much that you're numb. Like the Breonna Taylor situation is unbelievable to me. Ugh, it makes it, me, it, it makes it, me it, sick it, to my stomach, crazy. Corey. It breaks my heart. It, it's crazy that I saw something on Instagram that said her neighbor's walls got justice before she did. And I'm like, that is, that's true because like, how do you, it just doesn't make sense. But you know, as a team, we, we sat down and we had some serious conversations about it and it's kind of good to, you know, get a, a lot of people's different people's on the team's perspective and, 
you know, like I said, man, it was some serious talks and it was heartfelt. And, you know, we got down to the real and, you know, it's not even just about just, you know, just, just talking and discussing it. It's, it's about action. And, you know, that's what we're, we're trying to do. We're trying to put together certain things to take action to, because, I mean, we're not going to see change. Like, this generation isn't really going to see much change. It might be minute. It may be, might be small, but it's not going to be as much as, as, you know, for our kids, you know, and that's really where where I want to make a difference is for the next generation and, and to make sure that they don't see most of the things that I've seen, you know, and, and that these other guys on the team have seen. And it's, it's just crazy what's going on around the world right now. Without question. I, I don't want, you know, I know, I know you have a limited amount of time, but I, and I have so much I want to talk to you about, Corey, because we, we so rarely get to talk. Uh, yeah, no, right. Right now, with I, I, I cannot, I cannot. I've never had more FOMO about being in the locker room, and I know, you know, the locker room is such a, is such a weird <laughs> thing sacred, man. for us. <laughs> Do what? Locker room is sacred. Oh, it, that's a that's a safe spot. <laughs> oh no, I know, and and like to have us vultures buzzing around in there three days oh, a week, it's God. it's got to be a little bit of a godsend to have us out of there. <laughs> but I, you know, I feel like there's such a knowledge gap for me with because I don't know any of these rookies, Corey, and I'm I'm trying yeah, to yeah. I'm trying to do my job, and I I just I feel like there's such a part of a part of that that is essential to us, and I understand oh, it's yeah. it's a it's an obligation for you guys and. And one that we're appreciative of because otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Um, right. But with with all of this stuff, I just I feel like there are so many disconnects for us as media with you guys. And this year, I think it's so crucial to try and to try and find that common ground so that we can best you know that we can be allies for the kind of stuff that you're talking no about. I think that's huge. No doubt. Uh, so on on the way out the door. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, it's been a couple of weeks now, but the, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, and I know you're a, you're a film junkie, yeah. you're a movie junkie, you're a TV oh, yeah. junkie. Um, Chadwick Boseman's sudden passing, yeah. even though, you know, behind closed doors, he'd been dealing with cancer for a considerable amount of time yeah. uh, to, to people, to, to people in, in your world, I guess, for lack of a better term, because I'm speaking of, of the perspective, I'm, I'm half Egyptian. I don't have, you know, my, my, yeah. my, my, I, I, I want to, you know, I, I can't, I can't identify, you know what I'm saying? But right. I, I, <laughs> I'm trying, try, but uh, Chadwick Boseman represented something, it seems, to so many people, um, so many, so many African American uh, young yeah. children who see a suit, a black superhero on their yeah. television screens, a, a symbol of power, of strength. Um, and most yeah, of all, for, for good, they see that that on the television screen. And I guess if you could, could kind of, I don't know if you have any yeah. personal experience with the movie Black Panther or any of the films that oh, he yeah, does. I he do. was Jackie Robinson, all those things. I'll shut up and let right. you talk now. <laughs> no, you good. He's, um, man, like, <clears throat> it's huge, honestly. Just, I know for me just walking around my old neighborhood and seeing these little kids, you know, they they look up to, to Black Panther and it's, it's more than just a, a TV character, you know, to, to me and to a lot of other, you know, young black kids. Um, cause they see him and they, they see themselves cause they're like, Oh man, like he looks like me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can be a hero too. And just the fact that he was, it, Chadwick was going through treatment and he had cancer and he was, you know, fighting through that. And at the same time, he was still making, tremendous films is a tribute to him and it says a lot about his character and, and who he is um because i mean obviously cancer is cancer and it, it's it sucks like it's it's very very tough and he 
went through that. And just to have the strength to go through all that. And, and it was kind of behind closed doors. Like not many people knew about it. And um, it's huge. I mean, he was a, he was a real life superhero. He was more than just Black Panther just to go through all that. And like, it inspired me because I don't know how to act if I, if I was in his position and, you know, had that had cancer and, it's very tough, but the fact that he went through all that didn't budge, like made great films. He's a real life hero to me, and it's inspiring. No doubt. I, speaking speaking of inspiration, and I, I've got these. I've got one more question. I've got two more questions. I lied to you. Two more questions, okay, and we'll did. get you out of here. Uh, you, you you are in a situation where the the future is is kind of uncertain, and um, with, with you though, you have been a part of a total transformation and there's been a lot of, a lot of guys that have come in, mm-hmm. uh, to the Titans organization, but a, a total transformation from what this franchise was before you got here to where you guys are now, which in my words, not yours, people are talking about you guys yeah. as Super Bowl contenders. And I wonder, even though the focus is not on individual accomplishments, what you are most proud of. Where, however, however this situation goes down over the course of the next year, what you are most proud of accomplishing while you while you have been here in Tennessee? Personally, yes. Or or both, um, you know, team or or you personally. Yeah, I, I got you. I mean, I would just say, um, no man, just through all the adversity and because obviously there's a lot going on behind behind closed doors that sure. the media doesn't really see personally family issues that I deal with um, through all that you know I remained who I was and, and it was tough you know I, I said previously that it was a long road for me personally just to get to this position that I'm in now and like I haven't really even scratched the surface yet like it was a good start to the season but like I haven't even scratched the surface yet but just through all the adversity and through everything, you know, I stood tall through it all. And, you know, being a a first round pick and, you know, everyone has these expectations of of you to come in and just, you know, it's their expectations. And for a while there, it kind of got to me, you know, in my early years, you know, just the meet social media and the media and how everything was kind of, I just felt attacked and, not only that, but just dealing with my personal issues with family and everything that no one really knew about. You know, I stood tall. And, um, you know, I remain close to God. I'm even closer to him now. And, um, you know, that's my foundation. That's what I lean on is my faith. And it's been a blessing that he's delivered me through so much that, like I said, man, not a lot of people even know about because I'm so private and everything. But, I still talk through it all, and you know that's something that I'm going to tell my kids to do. That you know, no matter what adversity is going to strike, you know things are going to come your way, but you stand tall through it all, and you lean on God, and you know He's got you. I, it's it's why I have a tremendous amount. Of, I mean, there's a variety of reasons I have a tremendous amount of amount of respect for you, Corey. But yeah. but it is it is those things that aren't public that that people mm-hmm. don't don't take into account and. Um, 
and the and the expectations and the amount of pressure of the people. And again, you know, yeah, this is not true. to make excuses for anybody. Like this is just life. Everybody goes through that's these kind of things. Exactly. And and it is it is the stuff that people don't see that I think is a tremendous credit to to you as an individual and the way that you have you have not made it about the individual. Uh, right, I think 100%. I think you know I I've always I've always appreciated that about you. What I also appreciate uh, about you is your suit game. You looked uh, incredible <laughs> in the Denver. I mean, the drip was severe. Like it was un. You, me? <laughs> you know, no no free shout no free shout outs. But who's who's outfitting you? And is it going to be a level up on the way to Minnesota when all these pregame pre, like LV, pre-flight shout shots? Out, are shout taken. out to Jen. Shout out to Jen over at LV. But I'm gonna be suited up again. Uh, you know, this week I'm trying to up the suit game a little bit. Keep it professional, you know, business chips only. <laughs> no, I, I swear, like even even like for us and you know, meteor slobs. Uh, uh, but like, ter- yeah. you know, Teron comes at Teron comes in with all these all these incredible outfits, and now <laughs> and now I you know I feel like I gotta look like I'm not just getting out, getting out. It. 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 Now, I, I, what? Yeah, there's a standard. I'm like, oh, we can't just show up and look look, look like you know basement dwellers like yep. many of us <laughs> sometimes dress. <laughs> I, I speak for the standard. collective, but you know, I just. I, uh, I I appreciate I appreciate the suit game, and the only one who I think outdid you was Derek. But you know, Derek, Derek's, yep. Derek's suit. Agreed. I mean, my God, what what more can you say great. about that? Man, yeah, that was a, that was great, man. I was I was like, okay, okay, he got me beat. Yeah, he got me beat. That's okay. You, that some L's you're some L's you're okay with taking. That's all right. Exactly. <laughs> all right, follow this man on IG at Corey Davis eighty four. You can get him on Twitter. At the C Davis eighty four, Corey, I uh, I appreciate sure. you so much. I, I kept you twice as much time as I said I would, and I apologize. No, you're good man, you know it's always good talking. You ain't got no problem. Good people. Now I know, and uh, and you are as well, and that's that's why I always enjoy our conversations. Continued health and success, and uh, and we'll talk to you here down the road. Appreciate that, man. Have a good one. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford. We got two OGs. We got two studs on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. It is former Titans wide receiver Nate Washington and my man, the often imitated but never duplicated Teron Davenport of ESPN.com. Pissed off for greatness today, TD. We're going to have a good pod. Nate, it's a pleasure to meet you for the first time, and I appreciate you stopping by. These two gentlemen have an exceptional radio show that they do. Now, it's it's coming out on Thursday night this week, TD? This week, Thursday night, right? MTSU has a game on Friday. This week, Thursday, normally on Fridays, is when you can jam with the boys on 102.5 The Game. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Nate and TD. Appreciate you having me, bro. No doubt, Nate, <laughs> Nate and TD in the flesh. So uh, we, I'm sure we will, uh, we will stray from non-football conversation that still has a little bit to do with football later on in the pod. But we got a lot to talk about. Titans have a big game coming up on the road. They're going to head to Minnesota. They have the opportunity to go 3-0. and Nate is celebrating an anniversary today that we saw on social media. Uh, a great victory against the Detroit Lions from a couple years ago, and we'll rehash that. TD's got a whiteboard breakdown that we will discuss as to how the Tennessee Titans offense can beat the Minnesota Vikings cover two. But since I'm chatting with two former wide receivers and Corey Davis will also be a part of this podcast, I feel we got to start there. TD, 
I'm dying on this hill for th four years now, dying on the Corey Davis hill. I, I don't care. I don't need nobody else on a Corey Davis hill. I'm sitting here in a contract, Corey Davis here, <laughs> dying on this hill. How have you, what have you observed from this man through two games without A.J. Brown doing a lot of the heavy lifting? Well, you know what? It even starts before the season when we asked him, okay, what's the mindset? And he said, I'm trying to do numbers this year. And then in addition to that, he said he's going to have an aggressive, a more aggressive approach, which is that's what you want to hear out of receiver. So that's a good thing. But these last couple games, I see him being more consistent. I haven't checked the numbers to see how many catches he has on how many targets. But more often than not, when the ball is coming his way, he's making those contested catches, with the exception of that one play in week two where C.J. Henderson was able to punch it out. But overall, I think he's just playing a more confident brand of football, a more aggressive brand of football, and he's really having that if that ball's in my area, it's mine mindset and that's nothing but good things for Ryan Tannehill and that passing game as well as Corey Davis. Nate, what do you make of this offense? I mean they're just out here they're just out here caving people's skulls in in a way that the Tennessee Titans I know you've you've been a part of some good teams both uh, across your NFL career you played for uh, Pittsburgh obviously as well as Tennessee what do you make of this unit and how they're vibing together right now? I think they're uh, definitely a huge jigsaw puzzle. This is a team that has been put together and built for the ground and pound. You know, you look at these guys and they all complement each other in some type of way that alludes to what they want to get done. And that's just being physical. Um, even our receiving core, I, I can tell, you know, you look at these guys and the way they play the game, Adam's ability to catch the ball in traffic, Corey's ability to do, you know, great things in traffic and obviously Obviously, A.J. size, you know, you, you look at this receiver core and they're a group of physical guys. They want to play physical football. And that's just the definition of this offense. You know, you have a running back like uh, Derrick Henry and the offensive line that we have constantly being able to march forward. You know, this, these guys are built for the run and we do some amazing things off the play action. I think Ryan does an awesome job of controlling the uh, turnover game. He, dev he definitely gives us an opportunity to win the ball game, protecting the ball. But it's just, you know, this, this is a, a group of guys that you can say see gelling together. You know, you kind of alluded to Corey's ability to continue to consistently make plays here of late. And um, it's just showing up. His comfortability in, his, in this situation, in his situation, having A.J. across, although he hasn't played, you know, last week. But just having a guy like A.J. in the room and having a slot guy like A.J. Um, Adam with him and a, and a couple of utility guys and Khalif and um, Cam Batson, you know, you can tell uh, Corey's, becoming more and more comfortable in his position. And it's not only Corey, but the offense in itself. You know, you have a bunch of guys that have been around each other for quite some, a couple of years now, you know, um, and they just have jail, you know, guys that are finding their way through this physical ground and pound um, blue collar offense. The, the diversity of skill set in this wide receiving group is something that people were kind of, you know, trying to figure out heading into the year. We, you you kind of understand what you had in A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys. Khalif Raymond, a little bit of a novelty, although he made, he made some great catches uh, in the postseason that was able to help them and obviously helped supplement their return game when Adoree Jackson was uh, inadequate in that regard. What, what do you make of this unit, as of that specific position group as a whole? What have you seen from Cam Batson, limited action though it may have been in week two? How, how, do, you think they, how do you think they are able to maximize these individuals 
within this offense, Nate? Uh, I think the word that can best describe them from what I've seen this year in 2020 is just accountability. They've all been getting, given a job, whether it's just one play here or two plays from Cameron Batson or, or you know, placing more reps on the field on, a, on that Sunday than, you know, the normal typical starter. You know, those guys have an opportunity and a, and a job to, to be accountable for. And each and every time they've given the chance, they've shown up. You know, these guys have definitely been accountable in the past game. The play action, obviously, like I stated, is going to be huge for this offense to be successful. Um, you know, no offense to those guys, but all in all, I think they have one-on-one capability. But I think they, they exceed capabilities when they're in the play action game. These receivers are, are definitely capable of learning spots, knowing how to hide within the defense, knowing how, you know, what the timing is going to be off of the play action run. And I think they do a great job of, of um, complementing each other in, in that way. Adam has been huge. You know, uh, I think his injuries last year kind of were an issue for the offense because it didn't allow them to get to that next level on third down. But now him being healthy this year and him showing up and making those plays in traffic has definitely been huge for them to continue to march the ball. And as I said, you know, Corey's consistent, consistency, I think, kind of um, alludes to his comfortability in his position. You know, I think he kind of was put thrown into a position, actually, that was kind of too much for him at one point in time. You know, being the number five pick in the draft, you know, that kind of is a heavy weight to, to bear by yourself. But now having Derek there, <clears throat> having Adam in his presence, having AJ obviously there, having a, a comfortable Ryan that's able to, you know, work well within our play-action offense and having a tight end in Janu, I think he's just comfortable. You know, this is a group of guys that are con- going to continue to jail and going to continue to make major plays in this play-action offense. Johnu Smith missing today's practice with an ankle injury, so uh, Titans fans hoping that it is not too terribly serious given what kind of damage he did in week two. Teron, we talked to Mike Zimmer, Vikings head coach, today. You and I were both on that call, and the first thing, the thing that he started with was the the play calling, the schematics of this Titans offense. He's obviously a defensive guy. That defense is struggling right now, but that's the place that he went right out of the gate. And your teammates, uh, Diana Russini and Dan Orlovsky, talking about, you know, Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, head coaching potential next year. You are somebody who understands the schematics of these things. Just how well is Art doing right now? I think he's doing exceptional. And really the thing that you have to look at is the balance that he's attaining in the offense. And the best example of that is the drive against the Broncos to take the lead. And when you get 34 yards passing and 33 yards rushing, that is balance. You sprinkle in a 16-yard pass interference call, that definitely helped. But I think when you have a guy that's just willing to be so creative and just willing to put everybody in a good position to make an outstanding play, that's something that you want. You want an offensive coordinator. You just want a coach, period. And Nate definitely attested to this. You want a coach that's going to make you be in the best position possible to maximize your skill set. And I think that's what he does. When you put Johnny Smith in, in the backfield and, and you throw a screen to him, or you put him in there and you, you toss him the ball, when you run a counter to A.J. Brown like, like they did last year, when you have a quarterback of Ryan Tannehill, well, you give him that freedom, right? There was uh, – which play was that? Um, the, the play where Khalif Raymond – scored the touchdown against the, the Ravens. 
Well, Arthur Smith originally called a different play action play. Tannehill was like, I'm not really feeling that on this hash. So I want to do this one. What do you think of that? And instead of being like, I'm the, I'm the shot caller. No, we're going to do that. You know what? That's a good idea. And those are the type of things that makes a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill say, hey, you know what? This is a guy who probably open play caller and he's uh, open the feedback play caller I've ever played around. And those are the type of things you want that in your locker room because your players, they're going to they're gonna play. No doubt. Uh, we, uh, we talked to, we talked to Tannehill. We talked to Taylor Lewan today. And the thing that everybody's talking about this week is the and one, uh, the and one touchdown pass to Adam Humphreys. Nailed uh, Humphrey streaking across the back of the end zone and making a huge play for that go-ahead touchdown. Lawan called it badass. He wasn't even looking at the touchdown reception. <laughs> he said he was looking back at Tannehill to see how he reacted. Tron, what kind of buy-in does that? You guys have both played with many offensive linemen over the course of your time. Offensive line, trying to get them to buy into the tough individuals is certainly something that's not not necessarily easy to do. You got to go out there and show you got some stones. How much buy in does Ryan Tannehill have from his group right now? I think he has 100% buy in, and it goes back to that and one performance. It goes to you look at the Raiders game, right? When he ran down Maurice Hurst and he body rocked him, right? And a lot of times, quarterbacks, when the interception is thrown, they're, they're from here. They're, ducking. they're out of the way because they don't want any parts of the content. Tannehill took that personally and said, you know what? You took my ball. I'm going to go back to the So I think that buy-in really comes just because they see that this is a guy that is going to put it on the line even when he isn't expected to. And they respect that. So, for sure, he has that lot of And it's even, it's even off the field, too, right? We, we, we got to see them when they didn't practice that, that one day, right? He stood up there. And when you see that man have choked up and have tears well up as, as he's talking about his teammates having to explain to their kids how to interact with the police, those are the type of things just overall that make you like, you know what? That's my guy right there, and that's that's really the bottom line. What's, what's the line? That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. No question. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Exactly. You know Philly, Philly TD. We may see Philly TD later on, given how this day on the internet has gone. Uh, right. I'll reserve no, our judgment. <laughs> Nate, where, where, are, where are you on Ryan Tannehill? Because I think the most impressive thing for me – is that the Titans are winning the way that they are, but it's on the strength of their quarterback. And that's – you have seen inconsistencies. And Jake Locker, you know, he, he went through his own struggles and, and he ultimately chose to walk away from the game because that, that love, it seems, left him a little bit. And that's by his own admission, not, not that we're putting any words in the man's mouth here. But this is something different for this particular franchise that you know so well. How different is it for you to see them winning games on the strength of their quarterback? Oh, it's amazing. You know, I, like I said, <clears throat> Ryan and and like TD just said, Ryan has an ability to connect with the guys on a different level, not only playing the game, but also in the locker room, away from the game. I, this guy, 
once again, I will take full credit, TD, that this guy's first a receiver. You know, this isn't just a guy that was in the yeah, locker room yeah. before. And, you know, understands, like, he kind of, you know, receivers and people away from that quarterback position kind of see the game differently. You know, unfortunately, there's so many requirements put on a quarterback a lot of times that – it's hard for them to also be able to connect with the guys but still be focused on their specific job itself. But, you know, you have a guy like Ryan that comes into the position that he's in in the NFL, goes through the journey that he's on, and he becomes a journeyman. He becomes a guy of the locker room, a, a blue-collar, hard-working, get-it-out-the-mud, you know, do whatever he has to do to help the team win type of guy. And this is that type of team. This is that type of blue-collar Everybody can pick up a pick and work. You know, there's there's no specific job title for anybody. Everybody throws in uh, a pot for the pile to get the job done, and that's that's the perfect guy to lead that type of team. You know, he's he's a guy that like like Teron said, it doesn't matter whether it's interception. It doesn't matter whether I, I've also seen him trying to <laughs> lead block a couple times on, on <laughs> in a couple of situations. You know, so this is just a guy that's willing to stick his hat in the pile and get get the job done if need be. I mean, it's admirable to have a quarterback that wants to do that, but you're also screaming at him, get the hell out of the way. Stop that. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> do not do anything that would dare damage that shoulder or anything that they have been doing uh, on the strength of the passing game. Teron, you had a whiteboard Wednesday breakdown, and of course, you can get each Wednesday a whiteboard Wednesday breakdown on ESPN.com or on my man's Twitter handle, at tdavenport underscore NFL. The Vikings play a lot of cover two defense. We've seen them struggle so far out of the gate here in 2020, but this is a this is a defensive-minded head coach. This has typically been the strength of that particular franchise over the past couple of years, and they will be without Daniil Hunter and without Anthony Barr. Yannick Ngakwe still kind of finding his, finding his, uh, his feet, for lack of a better term, in that defense. Some young corners who I know you covered, uh, who you covered to, to a great extent throughout the course of the draft process. What was, what was the, I don't want to give everybody, I don't want to give it a haul away. I want people to go to the video. I want them to check it out. I want you to get all the Twitter clicks that you can possibly get. But give people a semblance of what you drew up today for the Tennessee Titans offense against this Vikings defense. Yeah, well, the thing is, every coverage has certain combos that just – kill that coverage and one of the things in, in, in my time playing um, cover two was always an opportunity for smash combo so that's hitch corner or some type of short route on the outside and a deeper outbreaking route on the inside so I drew that up in a couple ways watching the Colts game one of the things 81 I, I forget the tight end's name but he was able to get loose on a few corners so I figured their safeties are going to really emphasize covering those corner routes. So what you could do in cover two is, you know, find a way down the middle of the field. Eric Kendrick, he tends to be someone that in, in their version of cover two, he has to carry the, the receiver down the middle of the field. And he's a guy that's also really good at reading the quarterback's eyes and jumping route. He's one of the best defending linebackers, you know, when it comes to the pass defense. So I drew up a way that they could take advantage of that. But then I also, because they do a lot of two-man, we have two high safeties and man defense underneath. And what I did was isolated Derrick Henry against Eric Wilson. And Derrick Henry, believe it or not, is a guy that I featured in this as a pass catcher. And I put together a way that they could 
get him the football against cover two man. So that's in essence what it is. Now I will say this: when Anthony went, uh, when Anthony Barr went down, because he's such a really good sandbacker, they started to drop Harrison Smith down in the box a little bit more on run defense. So that is something that can be a factor, right? Obviously. The same thing that works against cover two may not work against cover one or cover three, whatever it may be. But I just attacked it because 30% of the time that they were playing defense, they had some form of two high, mostly cover two, pure two, or, or uh, two man. How are you taking advantage of that, Nate, if you're on the field, if you're analyzing this defense the same way that Teron has, has done from the wide receiver position, where are you trying to win? Uh, down the middle. Uh, cover two defenses leave huge voids in the middle of the field. That's why they tried to compensate the old temp, uh, the old uh, regular cover two defense with the Tampa two defense, yep. which Gruden installed, and he wants to drop the middle linebacker to try to fill that void in the middle of the field. But it always – you always give up area, space, you know, when, when those opportunities happen. So just like Teron said, you know, uh, route combos – definitely give uh, guys opportunities because once you give, have a guy run through a zone, then that one defender may have to guard, end up guarding maybe three guys in one area. So it's, it's difficult on them. You put a strain on a guy when uh, in those zone areas when you are able to go out and run specific route combinations to attack that. But as a receiver, I'm definitely trying to, you know, you're not going out there and beating one guy anymore. You want to go out there and you're beating a scheme. You're not going to go out there and be faster, stronger, or smarter than any one guy because you're going to end up running into someone else. So it's important to know how they're going to uh, handle their scheme, you know, what voids are going to be open, but particularly down the middle of the field would be uh, the, the area I would be looking to attack in that, on those moments. It's an interesting game, right? Because it's, it's out of their conference. They've started 2-0 against the AFC, which is, which is what they need to do, assuming that – uh, assuming that COVID does not interrupt the season in some form or fashion, it's most important for them to win the conference games. They have the opportunity to start out 3-0 and and then host the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I think are their equal in this conference, if not better. For the sake of momentum, uh, just because of what the, defense, the Steelers' defense did to Drew Locke last week, I mean, my God, they, they, they ravaged that poor man. <laughs> it was brutal <laughs> to see how, 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 uh, how much he was getting tossed around and then ultimately injuring his AC joint in his shoulder. is going to cost him a couple weeks. Just how critical, though, is it for them to not slip up here, Teron, with this game, understanding that it, it means a little less to them, kind of like that Saints game at the end of last year, where there was literally no playoff implications involved, whether they won or lost, this has a similar vibe, but can help them carry that momentum forward into Pittsburgh. I, I get what you're saying, but I'll say this. You have to approach, and it, it sounds cliche, and I apologize for that, but you have to approach every single game like as if the playoffs are on the line. Here's why. You remember our, our trip to Kansas City last year, right? I do. And you remember before that, that trip to Baltimore. I was um, there. Right. We were there as, as media folks. So it was a bit easier for us. But the Titans having to do that back-to-back -back was tough. Yeah. And how many times have you heard Coach Rabel talk about the importance of having home playoff games? The Chiefs and Ravens are 2-0 also. The Bills are 2-0. 
You don't want to go to any of those three stadiums. You wanted to go through Nissan Stadium. So I get what you're saying. It could be a, a, a low game for them, but they have to go out and put the baby to bed immediately so this way they can stay on pace with the Ravens, with the Chiefs, whoever should win that Monday night game, which is going to be a great game. That was the book. So for me, it's a, it's a must win. You have to approach it that way. Either way. And you can tune into ESPN to catch that Monday night football game, uh, courtesy of our friend Teron Davenport. I got you. I, listen, I got you with the plug. It's all good, baby. Uh, Nate, what, Nate? Let's 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 look at it this way because hosting a home playoff game, you know, we're in week two and we're talking about hosting home playoff games for for the the local professional football team. Like that sounds like madness, but this is something that is ultimately their focus. It's it's the next level. They have the hype videos going out all over the place. What would that mean to you as somebody who is a former player for this franchise who clearly has a great a great a great amount of love for them as an organization and seeing what they're doing? What would that signify to you that they are ready to host a playoff game? Well, I'll start here. You know, leaving Pittsburgh and having the success that we had for our, as a, as a team in the two out of the four years I was there, we won Super Bowls. You know, and then coming to Tennessee you know, seeing the previous year that they were 13-3 and three and a game away from the AFC Championship, I was, exci- I was excited about joining the team. I was excited about being in the atmosphere. I was excited about joining the city. And then, you know, being there five years, then going into my sixth year there, you know, not looking up and not having a team success, it was, it was definitely a heart crusher. You know, I wanted to make sure we came in and, and gave something for the city to cheer about and try to have as much team success as we possibly could, but we just couldn't put it together at the time. But, you know, retiring and stepping away from the game, it was difficult. It was a long journey. Long story short, here it is. I look up and this team is putting together a foundation of a winning organization. Excuse me. And I'm excited again about football. I, I begin to, you know, watch more games. I'll begin to look up the players and be interested in the guys that we're possibly drafting and what, the Titans may need, you know, moving forward, you know, being a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, they have a 50 year tradition of guys that are, you know, Mel, me and Mel, Mel, Mr. Mel Blunt would text me out of nowhere and check on me, you know, so it's always been a historical organization when you're dealing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but here it is, I'm a part of a, you know, fairly new organization where I can one day possibly be the Mel Blunt or, the Jerome Bettis of the organization, although I know I don't have that personal success that they have, but just an aura and the presence of those guys that put in work in that, in that color scheme to come back and give the guys love or show the guys some support on the social media. I think it's pretty cool, you know, and to see them coming along and Mike Vrabel and Mrs. Amy begin to build the organization and the structure of a foundation of a, a winning uh organization that gives back to the community you know that was something that I was definitely proud of you know I I think we did an okay job as as an organization while I was there to to reach out to the community and give back but since Miss Amy has been involved with this organization you can just see the impact that she has had you know this this is an organization that the city is behind not only because of their ability to win ball games but because of their facial uh, interaction in the community and the way they give back now and, and all the things that they're doing from Kevin Byer to, 
you know, Corey and, and the rest of the receivers. I'm just proud of the way that they are continuing to build not only a winning structure, but something that the city can be proud of. So I definitely had to jump aboard, make sure that, you know, these guys knew that they had support for me. I'm very proud to be, you know, an ex-Tennessee Titan. I'm very proud to have some affiliation with this organization. And I'm very proud and excited to see, you know, what's next for them. And now you're chopping it up on, you know, this week, Thursday, but every Friday night, talking ball, uh, talking shop with, uh, with the OGTD. It's good stuff. And, uh, and I've enjoyed the first couple of episodes of Nate and TD, which you can hear on 102.5 The Game and wherever it is you get your podcast in the Talking With TD uh, podcast feed. Also a podcast. My man Teron out here working too hard for the people. Uh, Got to get it, baby. <laughs> Get this money, Teron. Let's go. You have to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, what, you've, what you've just expressed, Nate, is, is a very cool emotion, a very cool feeling. What is also cool is catching 71-yard touchdowns uh, in a fourth quarter game against the Detroit Lions to ultimately go on and win 44-41 to uh, against Detroit in overtime. This day in sports history tweeted it out, September 23rd, 2012, Titans' Nate Washington Catches the ball over Lions, Jacob Lacey, and takes it 71 yards to the house. What do you remember most about that game? I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, you know what I remember, remember most about that game? Uh, I, I could kind of break it up. I could tell you what I remember most about the game, which kind of trumps the catch, but then I could tell you what most, most I remember about the catch. But what I remember most about the game is when uh, Titus caught the uh, Hail Mary to send it to overtime, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm on a knee, and I'm like, okay, they're about to throw the, uh, the Hail Mary. And all I'm thinking to myself is like, man, I know the interaction not only with my family after this game is going to be pretty insane. Like, I had a pretty crazy catch. You know, this game in itself was pretty nuts. I can't wait to see my family. I can't wait to go home and turn on Sports Center. I can't wait to see everything. So I'm sitting there, and I'm on a knee. And then he catches the, the, the Hail Mary, and I'm sitting there like, I can't have a catch like that and we lose. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, wait a second. Like, how do you celebrate that? Like, this, I'm like, man, I go, I start going to rally guys. I'm like, look, man, we cannot lose this game. Like, you cannot let care. me lose my shine. What? You cannot do this to me. No way. Listen, but I was inside. I'm praying. I'm like, God, you don't probably gave me the best catch of my career and we lose. Like, how is that possible? Like, so I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking like, oh, I got my fingers crossed everything but obviously overtime worked out and they blundered the dag on fourth and run quarterback sneak and we stopped them so i was stoked man but definitely a roller coaster type of game um the catch itself i i definitely jake was it's kind of I, I i always do this and people know i love my guy jake so i i gotta give him credit he was always a guy like i don't care what was going on we can be getting blown out by maybe three touchdowns and it'll be <clears throat> a minute and something left, and here it is, the offense has to go back on the field. I don't want to go back out there. I'm trying to send young guys to go, and Jake will come back up to me like, hey, come on, fella, I need you. We got to finish strong. And I'll be like, oh. So in that moment, you know, when that ball was coming short, you know, I, only thing that was registering to me was like, just give your all and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to be honest, there was definitely no way in the world I was telling myself initially that I was going to be able to catch that ball. But when I went up and I made, was able to reach around his, over his back, when I put my hands down, 
ironically, man, I felt this ball touch my fingers. And if you go back and everybody goes back and look at the uh, the, the film or the or the uh, picture from the the catch, you can see like one of my hands is like this. Like my hand is it's not even my left hand is not even open. Man. My, I'm catching my left hand is all knuckles because I can't see nothing. And all I'm thinking is like when this ball touched my hand, I'm just squeeze as hard as I can. And sure enough, it touched my hands. I squeezed as hard as I could, brought it over his head, and the rest is history. I definitely almost had another blunder. If you go back and look at that film, uh, around the, like, maybe 10-yard line, you can see me tap the ball with my left hand. I definitely remember it was about to slip out of my hand. <laughs> it would have fumbled through the end zone. That would have been bad. So <laughs> you can, uh, these are small details that you can pick out now from that video. If you go back and watch, you'll see me, like I said, gather the ball again. But... All praises to my guy, Jake. That that was just a, a effort play to say, you know, this is a kid that is never going to give up on me, so I'm definitely not going to give up on him. Let's see what can happen. And sure enough, the best happens. That's and that picture is on the wall in the press box, by the way. <laughs> it is. D.D. was snapping pics uh, when we were there on Sunday, snapping pics of, uh, of his teammate, Nate Washington, of the Nate and T.D. show. Friday nights most of the time on 105 The Game. This week, you can catch it on Thursday right after you listen to this pod. Uh, it is one of the best new things happening here in Music City as far as sports conversations are concerned. Guys, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. And uh, looking forward to this week's show and, and every week afterwards. I'll be listening for sure. Appreciate it. Hey, Buck, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate this. This was awesome, man. Thanks. No doubt. All right, we have the 615 Sessions mailback coming up in a moment. You guys have slid into my DMs on Instagram at Buck Rising, and I have three of your questions that we will answer today. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you about our friends that present our Zoom and phone lines, which we have gotten such great conversations out of, not just this week, but every week uh, here on the 615 Sessions podcast, and that is our friend's at getbeast.com. Tame the Beast, where I go for all of my great grooming products like the Beast Face Lotion, the Tame the Beast Shaving Cream that I love so very much for my sensitive skin. Uh, They are the best in the business, and they save you 20% off your online order at getbeast.com with promo code BEAST2020. They create personal care and grooming products for beasts of all kinds, The Beast Body Wash, Shampoo, Conditioner, Soaps, Lotions, and Shaving Supplies that feature all kinds of arousing scents and energizing properties. They are produced in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and their stimulating scents are derived from all-natural intense botanicals that you can feel. Good stuff from the earth, like eucalyptus, ginseng, guarana, green tea, pomegranate, bakuchol, and moringa. Check them out and save some money at GetBeast.com with that promo code BEAST2020. Okay, now time for the 615 Sessions mailbag. You guys can get your questions answered on each and every Thursday pod by sliding in my DMs on Instagram, at BuckRising is where you can find me. I chase money daily. Sounds like a, you know, we all chase money daily, but I chase money daily on Instagram asks first and foremost, biggest takeaway so far from this short season. Through two games, the Tennessee Titans are legitimate 
in a way that I have never felt about a Tennessee Titans team. Ryan Tannehill, the four-touchdown performance, the grit, the guts, the strength of the quarterback play carrying this team. I'm telling you, it has me re-energized as a media member with no rooting interest besides it's a more interesting team to cover uh, if it wins than if it doesn't. The players are easier to talk to if they win. Uh, The coaches are easier to deal with. When they win. Actually, I don't know. Mike Rabel kind of sassy today on Zoom, but you can't you can't really blame him. Having a little technical difficulties. <laughs> it's, it's a long story for another day. But regardless, actually, it's not that important. Uh, but uh, but the biggest takeaway so far from this short season is that I fear for your sake that Arthur Smith will not be your offensive coordinator for much longer. This man is presiding over one of the best offenses in the sport over the course of of, let's say, not quite a year yet because it's week seven that Tannehill was inserted into the lineup and things really started to manifest in a way that you could tell that, okay, this thing is going to be successful at this point. Arthur Smith is slowly but surely building his case. Actually, it's not even that slow of a build. Yeah, maybe maybe over the course of his career because he's worked his way up from you know offensive and defensive quality control coach to assistant tight ends coach to tight ends coach to offensive coordinator all these things so for him it's been a it's been a slog and he's gone about it in a way that he could have you know i mean a lot of family money around there you could have very easily circumvented all of the all of the grit and gutting out that Arthur Smith has done but the play calling selection has been on point now that the players are in a groove now that you've seen on-field success and now that you see how they are succeeding and what about it specifically is succeeding, the chemistry between Tannehill and the tight ends and the receivers, Derrick Henry, even though they are run-blitzing the holy hell out of this man, he is still chugging along for 116 yards in the first game and 84 yards in the second game. The yards per carry, the efficiency, Mike Vrabel and Arthur Smith both said, that they would like to improve. They want to get their run game going. But at this point, this offense is as complete as humanly possible, and that's without their their number one wide receiver in the lineup. Um, For the second game, A.J. Brown not really doing too terribly much in the first game, and now we know with the bone burst. Again, as Thursday's practice report has come out, he has missed practice for a second consecutive day. I would not anticipate him playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Finty... 2288 wants to know if Daquan Jones is going to have a breakout season. So Daquan Jones, one of the more underrated, maybe not underrated, because we've been calling Daquan underrated for a long, long time now. And it's almost like we talked about, uh, we talked about this with Ramon Foster last week. How long can you call Daquan Jones underrated before you, before you finally land on unappreciated? I think that's the more appropriate term. A uh, breakout season for an interior defensive lineman what does that look like? Is that is that run stuffs? Is that tackle for loss? Sack production, quarterback pressures, probably quarterback pressures probably more indicative of success against the as a pass rusher, but for a for a nose tackle, and that's typically where he plays. I would say that a breakout season, I think, is indicative of their run defense as a whole. Now you would look at the Jacksonville run totals and say, okay, well they're clearly lacking in that department. But I would say to you, go back and look at the snaps and who was in on the plays when they were getting gashed by number 30 for Jacksonville. Daquan Jones and Jeffrey Simmons, I thought, held up well in run defense. It was when Lorel Murchison and Frank Crawford 
were in the game that you saw them uh that you saw them is it Frank or Jack I always call him <laughs> know why I always mix up. I think it's Jack Crawford, and I I insist on calling him Frank for some reason. It is indeed uh, Jack Crawford, the defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. My uh, my apologies to Jack, whose name I continue, uh, whose first name I continue to botch, and he should be memorable because he got an exceptional accent. But for Daquan Jones, he's in a contract year, so a breakout season may not necessarily be what you want the most because he could very well price himself out of Tennessee on that contract that looks very, very reasonable at this point. Mr. Dot Radar 24 wants to know if there's any updated timetable on Adoree or Vic Beasley's return. I would say to you that they have kept the Adoree Jackson knee injury very, very hush-hush, even, even you know, unto the injury itself when it takes place at a practice that, like today's practice on Thursday, was held into the bubble due to inclement weather, and because of that, media is not allowed to be in there for social distancing purposes, of course. I would say Vic Beasley, now four consecutive practices as a full participant. I would say that you should feel good about him participating, not just in practice, but in a game against the Minnesota Vikings. I imagine you will see Vic Beasley in some limited form, whether it's you know 12 snaps like Kamala Correa got, Last week against Jacksonville. Now, ultimately, you would hope that it's not that few that they can begin to decrease the amount of snaps that Clowney and Landry are playing because they have more pass rushers available to them. But I would say Vic Beasley's return seems at this point imminent for Minnesota. Adoree Jackson, uh, the information has been held very close to the vest, and I would say that he is eligible to return After this week off injured reserve, we do not know, and I wish I had a better answer for you on this, but we do not know whether he will then immediately return to the practice field or what the return to play protocol will be for him once he then is removed from IR. If he in fact is removed, we don't, there's no guarantee that that is the case as well. That's your 615 Sessions mailbag for this week. You can slide on in my DMs at Buck Rising on Instagram, and we will answer your questions, comments, and concerns here on every Thursday pod. You guys were great. Next time we'll talk, it'll be post-Minnesota, and we will see what fate has befallen the Tennessee Titans. You can bank on us having more great conversations with more faces, more people that you know across Nashville media and Nashville sports. Remember that you got to support the people that support this pod. That's Two Rivers Ford at tworiversford.com and Tame the Beast at getbeast.com using that promo code BEAST2020 for 20% off. You also have to subscribe, rate, and review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Love the five-star reviews. Keep them coming, even though that's not the way we're doing the mailbag anymore. Your love is appreciated, and we all, you know, if I see a funny one, I'll still read it. And the Tighten Up guys do a good job incorporating your reviews into their podcast as well. You can get the six one, or you can get the six one five sessions twice a week. You can get the Tighten Up podcast on Wednesday and Monday. Next time you hear the Big Orange podcast, it will be after an actual Tennessee football game. Tennessee at South Carolina. What should be, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a must-win for the Vols. I'm going to get out of here. I hope you guys enjoy the weekend of football and sports ahead. I hope that you enjoy your weekend just in general with friends, family, loved ones, whomever it is that you choose to spend your time with. And I also hope that you stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered 
by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.